You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I Yield to No One, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 438. I'm your host, Ricky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the man who showed up late because he was playing Streets of Rage and stopped me, stopped me from playing The Last of Us 2. It's Alex. But if we had a set time to record, clearly the set time to record was what stopped you from playing The Last of Us Part 2. Yes, but I stopped as a responsible podcast host to be here on time for the podcast recording, and you said, I'm going to be late. i got to finish the last level of Streets of Rage. Well, at if least I'm stopping we the know. last of us, you can stop Streets of Rage. Okay, here's the thing. At least we know now that you're taking podcast hosting seriously for the first time in 10 it. years. I've always taken it seriously. He brings the awesome every week. It's I yield to no one. I'm not playing The Last of Us 2. Neither one of you are, which is very upsetting to me. You know, I just wasn't hyped for it. Are you... You... De- you know what? De- dead serious. Oh. Uh, up until I saw the... I didn't watch the state of play about it. Uh, up until their first gameplay trailer, after I watched that, I was like, you know what? I'm not really feeling it. So I didn't go pre-order it. I'll pick it up eventually, but I'm just like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm trying to figure out what other sounds I can play. No, I can't. Okay. You're lucky. I don't have the sound banks right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been playing The Last of Us nonstop. I, I see that. Most of my friends list is. Well, I, you know what? I say nonstop, but I'm actually behind what I think everybody else is because I'm really taking my time with this. I'm not going on hour bin sessions and, uh, you know, going nonstop. I'm, I'm searching every nook and cranny. I'm finding out that I'm missing a lot of collectibles and I'm searching the fuck out of things. And I'm must not be looking very well. No, these are very well hidden. Um, I'm not going to spoil any part of the game for you. Well, you better not. Um, but I did hear are... though the platinum is far more attainable this time around than the last time. Well, I have not looked at the trophy list. I have. I I, I, I swore that I'm not going to look at the trophy list until I beat the game. Um, but from what I understand by reading uh some things people said on, online, there is no difficulty trophy, so you can play the game on easy. Which I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not playing it on easy, but I'm playing it on one level above easy. Because I just wanted to get through the story and didn't want to get frustrated uh, with all the combat. Well, I would probably play it on normal. I think that's what I'm playing it on. I, I I don't know if it's normal, but it's it's not the lowest setting, but it's the step above that. But I didn't put this in the agenda, and uh, like now I'm kind of regretting it. Okay, there, what is it? Let's go. There are people review bombing the fuck out of this game. I heard. I saw that on Twitter that. That it was people were review bombing it, and I'm like, okay, why? I really didn't investigate too hard as to why. I'm just like, oh, people are being jerks. Well, okay, 
to be fair, and I'm not reading this from an article, and again, there's not really much I can explain without spoiling aspects of the game. But there are some things that happen in the game that people that, for lack of better terms, that are not open-minded enough are review bombing the game for. There are several people that are review bombing it, uh, and in their uh, reviews, they're saying uh, Nintendo's great, Xbox is better, suck a dick Sony, suck a dick Naughty Dog, um, which there's people saying that they're review bombing it because of what Naughty Dog has done with the characters as far as the storyline goes, which I cannot speak to because I have not personally seen anything that would piss me off. And you guys know how much I love The Last of Us and I you know, protect the characters. Uh, there's nothing I've seen that, in my opinion, Naughty Dog, or especially Neil Druckmann in this case, has made any drastic changes to any characters. Like, if you don't like The Last of Us, I mean, you can go suck a dick, personally. That's just me talking. But if you don't like The Last of Us, you don't like The Last of Us. But it's, you know, there's people saying, which is complete bullshit, because I'm going to tell you, I did get a review copy of The Last of Us. Uh, and I posted that on the, the Facebook group. Uh, there are people out there saying that the reason critics are given The Last of Us 2 10 out of 10s is because they were threatened with being blacklisted if they gave the, uh, the game a bad score. That is complete bullshit. In no way, shape, or form did anybody say to me, we're going to give you this game early, but you cannot give it a negative review. I think we lost out. Uh, no, you didn't. Oh, uh, it's just... Okay. He's taking it in. It, it. You know, you are allowed to say, hey, I, I don't like what's done with the story. I don't like certain elements of the story. So, I mean, you can definitely, like, critique a game based on that and, and have that in your criticism and have that affect the overall score. But what you shouldn't do is have that as a blanket reason to just bash the entire game because you don't like one aspect of it and just to give the game a poor review score because of that one aspect. I, I saw somebody... So. I, I, I saw somebody that... cut their Last of Us 2 discs, because there's two of them, um, in half because they were pissed off that Ellie was the main protagonist. Uh, you didn't see that coming? Well... They announced that when they announced the game that this game, you're not going to be playing as Joel, you're going to be playing as Ellie. I mean, you could tell that from the very first tr the reveal trailer when they announced the game. I mean, I, it, it was a natural progression from one to two that you were probably going to be playing as Ellie in the second game. I mean, I'm not a top-notch reviewers or even an entry-level review person at any shape or form, and I figured that out. It, it's... It, what, what's pissing me off is the fact that I, there... To, to speak very plainly, anybody that knows me knows I don't have a problem with, you know, aspects. You know, like, I'm not racist. I'm not homophobic or nothing like that. But I do have a problem when it becomes a situation where I feel like people are pandering to a crowd just to not get negative remarks towards them. And that is 
what this game is being criticized in doing is saying that we're only playing as Ellie because Naughty Dog is catering to the lesbian crowd. Wow, because that game was in development. Uh, well, never mind. I ain't getting into it. Well, the, well, okay, but like I'm, I'm trying to speak in broad terms here because in no, no I, way, shape, or form I, I, do I feel like Naughty Dog is doing that here. She's an established character. Yeah, I know. We, we've had this talk before. It's just it. It bothers my mind. People just don't pay attention. Like, like I said, if you don't like The Last of Us or you don't like The Last of Us Two, legitimately because you think it's a bad game, I think you're a dickhead. You go suck a dick. But you're entitled to your opinion. In my like, I the Last of Us Two is on par to be my favorite game of all time. I'm not declaring that yet because I have not finished the story. I have not. You know, had the full experience yet, but it's on course to be my favorite game of all time. And you guys know how much I praise the last, the first game. Yes. So that's just, in my humble opinion, that's where I stand with this game. So, and that's all I've been playing, uh, which is a weird segue into what we're playing 10 minutes into the show. Alex, what have you been playing, sir? I have been playing uh, Street Rage 4. We talked about it a couple of uh, weeks ago when Rochelle was on the show, and I had mentioned that I wanted to play the game and had no idea that the game had come out uh, for, or had been out for close to a month at that point. So I made a point to download it this past week, and uh, yeah, just been playing quite a bit of Street Rage 4, because I grew up as a huge fan of beat-em-ups, playing with my stepbrother in co-op, so this, uh, this along, you know, with other games like Castle Crashers was right up my alley, so, um... If anyone's wondering, uh, it is, you know, uh, the game looks really good. It's kind of, um, oh, oh, how do I say this? Uh, it's more of like an anime art style as opposed to, obviously, the pixel art um, sprites that we got on the Genesis back in the day. But uh, the game looks great. It plays really good. The, the combat's really fluid. The music's really good. A uh, few, few quick gripes. There's, you know, um, they do reuse some of the bosses and turn some of the bosses later on into the game into grunt characters, which I hate. Uh, the two final bosses are really stupid, so I kind of had a big issue with them. And um, I feel like the game at this point needs a block button and a run button, like a dash, because sometimes it can feel too slow, and your uh, character's movement can feel too clunky. But uh, other than that, uh, it's got online co-op, it's got local co-op for up to four players, there's a boss rush mode, so there's quite a bit to do in the game. It's a lot of fun. I will say that for me, playing through the game once was kind of enough. Um, now there are trophies, you have to beat the game essentially at least eight times to get all the trophies, which that kind of grind if you're trying to get through, you know, a, pl- a trophy list quickly, um, it'll take you about an hour, hour and a half for each playthrough, but it, um, it can be a little much to play through a game like this, just kind of speed through it eight times, so, um, it is, it is a game, the trophy list, uh, it's not, the, some of the trophies are pretty hard, um, but you're not going to have to put a ton of time really into it. But having to play through a beat-em-up so many times in such a short span of time does get a little old. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, but also at the same time, like, after one playthrough or maybe, you know, cracking out every once in a while with friends, uh, I feel like one playthrough is, of this game is enough. So, you know, for your $25, just kind of consider that. All right. Yield? Yo! Nothing today. I already got him at the beginning of the show anyway. Uh, Ghostbusters, the video game remastered. 
been playing a PSN game called Valley, and The Walking Dead, A New Frontier. That's the third one, right? That's the third one, correct. What, what was the last fourth one called? Uh, don't remember. Okay. I haven't picked it up yet, though. Yeah, I have all the Walking Dead games, and i got to go through them. Um, I, it's one of those things, like, I, I stopped playing 2 because I, I did, like, a mini protest and said, am I playing 2 because I didn't have a platinum? Gotcha. Yeah, that but, is stupid. Uh, but it was, it, like, it never came out and said, oh, I'm not playing this. It doesn't have a platinum. I was just like, eh, I'll play this whenever. I, I, I got platinums to earn. I, uh, I, I liked 3 took a different approach, and I, I kind of liked it. Three was the one, as I stepped away from, as I leaned away from the mic. Three was the one where it didn't have Clementine, right? No, Clementine's in it, but she's she, not the main character. She's not the main character. Correct. Okay. And I kind, I right. kind of like that because you're expecting to go into it playing as Clementine, and then you don't run into her until like halfway through episode one. Spoilers. That's all right. Do you know how hard it is not for me to talk about The Last of Us right you, now? You already know that she wasn't the main character, so it's not really a spoiler. I, I'm just fucking with you. I know like you I'm, are. I, I'm really trying not to spoil anything about The Last of Us because I really want you guys to play it because I really want to be able to talk about it. And it at least seems like I'm going to have to do a PG spoilers with other people. But nobody seems, uh, other than Steven, I don't think anybody that we know is playing it right now. Sid? Well, I hate to tell you this, but you spoiling it, it's not going to make us play it any sooner. I, well, that, that's Actually, spoiling it will make me not play it sooner. All right. Let's get into our topics. Uh, it's been a week and a half since we discussed anything PlayStation Boys. Uh, obviously, We're not we did gonna a, do the last trophy count. Oh, shit. Did I skip right over that? Oh, yes, you did because you went right into what we were playing. Uh, oh, that, yeah, because I was talking about The Last of Us. Okay. Yes. Uh, trophy count. Thank you for catching that. Trophy count, I am level 55. Actually, I didn't update the trophies. I did. did. Uh, okay. Uh, I am level 55, total trophies of 13,147. Oh, what the fuck am I doing today? Level 55, 13,147 with 242 platinums. Alex? Level 31, total trophy count of 6,958 trophies and a platinum count of 103 and 102 games. So... Street Rage, as as you like to point out, I have not earned a trophy for months. Well, Street Rage Four changed that. Yeah, I'm proud of you, sir. I don't need uh, I don't need your approval. Told you. Yield your trophy, sir. Level thirty, trophy count of six five eight one, and I got a new platinum. I am at a hundred and eight. Where'd you get the platinum, in, sir? The Walking Dead: A New Frontier. Okay. And Sid is level 41, total trophies of 9,805 with 171 plots. I thought he had 172. Uh, unless I didn't. I, you know, I didn't pay attention to that. He might. I, I thought he's... Did you change anything? Well, I changed his trophies. All right. So let's get into our topics. Obviously, it's been a week and a half since we talked anything PlayStation because we did the live show and then we released the show. And uh, so there is a little bit of news, some recap news coming back from the live show that we did and some new news, new news uh, coming up. First thing is Cyberpunk has been delayed to November 19th. Wow. 
Come color me surprised. Uh, Cyberpunk released a statement. We've decided to move the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 from September 17th to November 19th. Those of you who are familiar with the way we uh, make games know that we don't ship something which is not ready. Ready when it's done is not just a phrase we say because it sounds right. It's something we live by when we know we'll take the heat for it. All at the same time, we are fully aware that making such a decision costs us cost us your trust and tr- trade and trust for additional time is one of the hardest decisions a game developer can make. And despite we think it's the right decision for the game, we'd still like to apologize for making you wait longer. Our intention to, is to make Cyberpunk 2077 something that will stay with you for years to come. In the end, we hope you understand why we did what we did. At the time of the writing, these words, Cyberpunk 2077 is finished both content and gameplay-wise. The ca- the quests, cutscenes, the skills and the items, and the riches Night City has to offer is all there. But with such an abundance of content and complex systems interweaving with each other, we need to properly go through everything, balance game mechanics, and fix a lot of bugs. A huge world means a huge number of things to iron out, and we will spend the additional time doing exactly that. This week, journalists from all over the world are starting to independently play the game. We are eager and quite stressed to hear their opinions, as well as see your reactions when they publish their previews right after we air Night City Wire on the 25th of June. We hope this will satisfy some of your hunger for the game as we work to polish it for the November launch. I mean, I I don't really understand why they've delayed it again if it's finished. They said they just got to work out the bugs and make sure everything's working properly. I mean, does it does it really take you that much time? And we're we're in June. We're you know, I mean, getting towards the end of June, but it takes you five months to do that. I mean, I, I guess I guess I don't know. It just seems like a long time to um, to take to do that. Um, like they said, they're sending the game out to journalists. Maybe they're waiting. They're trying to give ample time for the journalists to play the game and provide their feedback. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I you know, they talked about like a um, kind of harming the trust uh, of of people with you know delaying it. I don't think that delaying a game harms trust or you know hurts your trust within uh, with your your fans or the people who want to play it. I think what harms your the the trust between you and your your player base is a, uh, a shitty game that you put out. Like Shigeru Miyamoto, Shigeru Miyamoto said very famously, a shitty game is forever. Um, or he didn't exactly say that, but a bad game is forever, essentially. So uh, if you need to more time to develop a game and make the best game possible, we can wait another three, six months, whatever it is. But, you know, if you put out a bad game, that's what's really going to, uh, you know, harm people's trust. Although, you know, people like Bethesda, like companies like Bethesda still do it, and, and people keep buying their games, so there's something to be said about that. All right. The next well, topic hold on. We you chided us for having nothing to say about this, or seemingly having I, nothing I, to say about this. What do you think? I could personally care less about Cyberpunk 2077. Well, no, but not just Cyberpunk, but just a game. Like, any game. Like, was your... I, like, when Naughty Dog had to delay The Last of Us twice, did you... Lose trust in Naughty Dog as a game development studio? No, I actually trusted them more, saying for them delaying it. I was pissed they delayed it because obviously I wanted to play it, but I trusted them to say, okay, well, they're making the game, so I have to trust that if something's not right and they got to fix it. But the, the, what I think what 
CG Project Red is referring to there is saying we gave you quote unquote our word that the game would be out on this date and now we're changing that. So I think what they're talking about with trust is saying they want their players to be able to trust that when they say a game is going to be out on this date, it's going to be out on that date. Well, I think that they put out, you know, the Witcher series is so beloved that they have a lot of um, wiggle room as far as trust goes with their customers. There are certain games, there are certain companies that put out, you know, certain quality of games that, you know, people are, um, you know, they know that that's a proven entity and that they will put out quality products. So I I don't think that they're, by delaying it and openly saying, hey, we kind of messed up or we feel bad about this, I I think that kind of transparency and admitting fault in some way like that is, goes a long way with customers. But again, just don't put out a bad game or, or a buggy mess of a game. All right. Uh, the next thing we have is Horizon Forbidden West is aiming for a 2021 release. Therefore, not and, a launch title, like we said, potentially. Uh, and there is virtually no loading screens. Uh, well, also, Tricky, can we both That'll admit be that you and I were both wrong and that it's not a launch title? <sighs> okay. Which, which also I'm, begs the question, what the fuck is a launch title? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cop to the fact that this is not a launch title. If it's not releasing on it's not what I refer to if, as a If it's title, not like out by the end of date. the year I would say that it's not a launch title. Okay, so what would you clarify for a launch window? A launch window is, I would say within first two months. Neil, do you, do you think that's fair? Uh, what did I say when we were doing the live record? I said anything probably... Either the end of the year, I would even go to the end of January, would be considered like a launch window. After that, it, it's not. Con- I wouldn't consider it a launch window if you're like into February. Okay. Uh yeah. Uh, Alex, I, I like. Yeah, it's not a launch title, and I, I, I don't even know. It's like. I mean, I guess they're considering Miles what Morales, which, title? as we've learned uh, with comments from. Um, Insomniac well, that, that Miles later. Morales is in fact a standalone game and not part of a um, remastered edition really of the original Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man releasing for the 5. Because there was some confusion see, about that. See, this is why you need to have the agenda open because that's the next topic. Well, shit, it, we're talking about it now. It's it's prescient to the uh, <laughs> to what we're talking about. So, Alright, so let's just get to the Horizon thing. Uh, yeah, they just said... Uh, there was a small a small follow-up dive into Horizon sequel that features a few tidbits. Namely, Gorilla said that the game is aiming for a 2021 release date. Uh, so, yeah, that begs the question, what is the launch title? And we're going to go into what Alex uh, was talking about. In Spider-Man, Miles Morales is not a sequel, but a smaller standalone game. <gasps> Now, it. so it's, it's basically First Light or Festival of Blood. Yes and no. I mean, those were st- those were smaller standalone titles. So how are you? How are you like yes and no? Because I I think there's still confusion on what this actually is. Because when we saw the re- the reveal, everybody said. This was basically Spider-Man 2. I did. I did not. I said it looked like a spinoff. 
Okay, when I say everyone, I mean in like the mass audience of the world. Well, the mass audience is was not paying attention. Then uh, it came out that this was actually DLC for the first game, which is not true. Then Insomniac confirmed that this is a standalone game, which then everybody said, okay, it's not Spider-Man 2, but it's not related unless... You know, it's not directly related to the Spider-Man game. Now, uh, they're saying that it's a standalone expansion. So, I don't know if this is a, a Lost Legacy, First Light type of situation. I, I'm not getting that feel. But I understand why people are getting that feel. I mean, I don't think, I mean, based on what we know, because Insomniac, or, or no, it wasn't Insomniac, it was um, Sucker Punch that did those, but, I mean, with those uh, kind of spinoffs from Festa Firm Infamous, or not even spinoffs, just like kind of the smaller episodes that anyone can play without having to buy the base game, I, I think that Sony has experience with that, and they've shown that they're open to that kind of delivery of content, because if you didn't want to submit, or like not submit, but commit to an entire another Infamous game, like I played Infamous 1 and I kind of got burnt out on it, so I didn't want to play Infamous 2. So here comes Festival of Blood, and it's like, this is great because it's a smaller chunk of Infamous, and I can play it for 5 to 10 hours and feel completely and totally satisfied with my experience and not have to play the sequel. Alright. Uh, well, you, you said... You didn't play Spider-Man. Neither one of you guys played Spider-Man first one, right? No, I have. No, like, I, like I said before, um, I have a healthy respect for Spider-Man. I just don't find him to be the most intriguing uh, superhero. Um, for me personally, I know that a lot of people will probably flip out when I say that, but I'm much more... I'm less about the single individual superheroes and more about the team-based elements. So like X-Men, Avengers, like that's what I really like to watch is when they come together as a team. Right, because Spider-Man arguably is the most popular Marvel character. Oh, I'm I'm not disagreeing with that, and I know that, and I know that Peter Parker and Miles Morales and everybody who plays Spider-Man, and and they uh, and the villains, and at least some of the villains, like they're very interesting characters and they're very well done characters. I just to me, a singular uh, superhero just kind of isn't as um, interesting as a team dynamic. I'm very much a team okay. dynamic kind of guy. All right. Which, which is uh, why I, I talked about earlier how I enjoyed co-op and beat-em-ups. Yield? You have yes. any comments about this? Other than to say, I, I told you so? I told you so. All right. This is where Alex loses his God-loving mind. Well, I don't know. Is it official? It is official. Ah, okay. Because I hadn't seen anything that said official. It was just leaks. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time, is coming to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Um, this was, this was leaked, correct? It wasn't, like, Activision hasn't officially come out with it, have they? Well, it was leaked, and then I've seen stories, although it's not here, where Activision actually did confirm this. I guess if the leaks come out and you were planning to have a reveal, because they did release a mobile game recently, um... Correct. So... Uh, and after there's been t speculation for months now, especially you know as CTR loses steam, that they were going to announce another crash game at some point. 
So it seems like they're going to continue on with Crash, whereas Spyro, they're kind of just going to leave in the past. I think Spyro's coming as well. Wait, you think, wait, sorry, say that again. You think Spyro's coming too? I think another Spyro game is coming as well. Potentially, but clearly of those two thoroughbreds, we can, we figure out which one brings in more money. Since there's been three Crash, well, two two remakes, essentially I, one collection, one remake, and now a new game, uh, whereas there's only been one remake of the, of the Spyro trilogy. So I would say Crash Bandicoot is the more profitable of the two for Activision. I would argue differently because... What? Um, I hold on. While Crash Bandicoot is very popular, and I'm not disputing that at and all, and won sports slash racing game of the year for the uh, the Game Awards last year, 2019. Correct, but Spyro, uh, kind of made everybody lose their god loving minds when they when with the game to life with Skylanders. So Spyro is just as popular, and I would argue to but. say Spyro is more marketable and profitable than Crash. Uh, uh -oh, Crash was words. very mar. If you, I mean, like back in the day, Crash was very marketable, and he was kind of at the forefront of what Sony's strategy was when they were going against Nintendo at that that first E3 and what they put up against Mario essentially to as their, was... their mascot. So I, I would argue against that and say that Crash is more profitable. Why? I, I why well, would you have three Crash games plus a mobile game to one Spyro trilogy and say that? Spyro is more profitable. I mean, clearly, just by the amount of content they're putting out, as far as Crash goes, Crash is more profitable. How many Crash games have there been? Four? Five? Well, what are we talking about here? You mean recently or in total? In total. Well, there were three on Crash on racing games. On, cons on console or handheld? Uh, I'll have to look all of them up, but I know there were the three Crash games for the, the PlayStation, so Crash Bandicoot, Crash 2, Cortex Strikes Back, and Crash 3 Warped. Then there was uh, the Activision games, Crash, Wrath of Cortex, and Crash to Insanity. There were also two other racing games, Tag Team Racing and Nitro Kart. And then I think there was also there was Crash Bash, which is the Mario Party-like game, and then there was something like Crash Bandicoot Entranced. Plus the remake of the trilogy, plus Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, which is pretty much at this point a different game from Crash Team Racing, as well as the mobile game and then this new game here. So far more than Spyro. Well, Spyro, just when the Toys of Life game has five of them. Then you add the three Spyro games in there. That's eight games right there. Still not as much as Crash. I I I don't know the numbers. But I would, I think this is a legit argument to say that Spyro is more marketable than Crash. I think that the amount of times we've seen Crash trotted out, not only by Sony, but also by... Because, I mean, Spyro was exclusive to the PlayStation. And yes, they did market him, but Crash was at the forefront. And they had all uh... the the funny, hilarious advertisements with Crash and... I, I, I don't know. I think that the proof is in Activision is making more Crash games and Spyro games, and we know Activision and that they, as a big company, they prefer, like, they're going to try to maximize their margins and their profits, and I think that they, if they have a um, two-game series, they're going to make the most from the game series that's more popular. I mean, we can look up sales. Um, well, I'm, I just I just looked up the sales for Crash Bandicoot. Uh, well, look up look up the, said, the remasters, the, the most recent remasters. I I just googled Crash Bandicoot sales numbers. 
Uh, and what popped up with an article from Forbes is saying that Bandicoot Insane Trilogy has sold 2.5 million. So I'm actually trying to find actual numbers. But when I Googled Skylanders uh, sales numbers, just the Skylanders No, 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 but no, no, no. Skylanders, is all, it's not just Spyro. There's a lot more to that universe than just Spyro. Crash is all, was also made a character into that in that series. I just, just do what? the remasters. Find sales numbers for the remasters, the recent remasters. Okay, but I think you're um, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying I think Spyro in entirely is more marketable than Crash. I'm not talking about sales for the remasters. Uh, yeah, but, Crash but Bandicoot. Wouldn't you say that head to head, that if you have two. Um, two entities going head-to-head as far as game IP goes, the one that sells the best is the more marketable one? Not necessarily, because you could take... Okay. This is a, 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 a an insane comparison. But if you take Mario versus Nathan Drake... Why don't you go with another Nintendo franchise? No, no, no. Follow, follow what I'm saying here. Mario, by far, has made the most... Actually, I can't, I can't even use Mario for this analogy. The, the, what, what I'm trying to say is one character may be more popular, but that doesn't mean that second character is not more marketable. But there's also brand recognition comes into play. And the more recognizable right, character it, is, w- if a character's more popular, it's more recognizable because more people know about it. Right, but see, you could you you can okay. Let me just say this: Nathan Drake and the Uncharted series arguably has made more money than the Little Big Planet series combined. But when you put mar- when you looking at marketing, Sackboy is more marketable than Nathan Drake. How do you figure that? I mean, they have made, um, they they're basically splitting off Sackboy from Little Big Planet, and I I would assume because they tried to make Sackboy a mascot, and yes, it spoke to some people, but Little Big Planet wasn't just Sackboy; it was the whole creation aspect of it. So I would say that right, Sackboy got kind of lost in that. So no, because well, my my argument to that would be they can take Sackboy out of Little Big Planet. And still make games. They cannot take Nathan Drake out of Uncharted and make more games. Well, he wasn't playing yeah, they can. Battle Royale. Well, because they, okay. they, they did Lost Legacy. But here's the thing. Like, let's see if Sackboy A Big oh, Adventure is oh, actually oh, successful. Because a lot of... Right, the... Hold on, Alex. Hold on, hold on one second. I just want to go back to what uh, Yield just said. Yield, what did you just say? I said they did take Nathan Drake out of Uncharted and still made an Uncharted game. It was called Lost Legacy. That's, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can't take Nathan Drake out of Uncharted and put him into an entirely different game as well as you could do that with Sackboy. Well, no, because he exists oh. in the Uncharted universe. You can't take Nathan Drake out of Uncharted and then put him in Jack and Daxter and expect everything to flow. Right, but you're taking Sackboy out of Little Big Planet and you're giving him his own adventure. But that's, but that's he's still, still within the same universe, though. If you take Nathan Drake out of... Um, Uncharted, Actually, I mean, not you to... can make another game with him, but if you say, like, take Nathan Drake out of Uncharted and then put him in Infamous, you are admitting that there is a tie between the universes of Infamous and Uncharted. Whereas Sackboy, 
he goes from Little Big Planet to just an adventure game on his own where it's the same style of graphics, like the same art style, the same look, the same feel, because he's still within the universe of um, Little Big Planet. Right, but you you keep cutting me off and not letting me finish my statement. My point is, is you, Sackboy himself, was in was the mascot for Little Big Planet. He's now breaking away from the builder-creator type of game and going on his own adventure, and it still works. You can't take Nathan Drake out of Uncharted. You know why that works, say, Put him Because Sackboy Sack was the mascot, but Sackboy was not the entirety of Little Big Planet. Little Big Planet right, was which the, makes him more marketable. Is my point? Yeah, but see, that's your like Nathan Drake was the base of Uncharted. Okay, there is like yes, there have been Uncharted games without Nathan Drake, but like Sackboy was just one piece, and not even the biggest piece. People played like playing Little Big Planet not because of Sackboy, but because of just creating in the world. It's like saying like Dreams. People want to play Dreams because of what they can create. They probably don't give a shit about whatever mascots in that game. And we'll, we have yet to see if Sackboy is marketable or profitable as a mascot. He's already proven he's mo- How? profitable. That, again, Little Big Planet is not about Sackboy. It's about creation. But Sackboy is the representation of that creation, is my point. But if the entire that rest of the game is so robust and, and, and the creation aspect of it is so robust, then it's not about Sackboy. He's just a piece of it. He's just a figurehead. But anyway, did you did you find the sales for the most recent games? No. Uh, Crash Bandicoot Remastered has sold uh, ten million. And Spyro. Uh, we, well, we got to argue, and I didn't Google it yet. <laughs> uh, Spyro Reignited, right? Yes. Yeah, Spyro, Spyro Reignited trilogy. Uh, it says it sold uh, one million copies. Oh, but oh I don't okay. Know how recent this yes. Is. One tenth, but yet he's more marketable. I, I oh wait, see you're going off and you're not listening. I don't know when these sales numbers are. Oh, see, okay, there you go. It needs to fix it because it said it sold one million in two days at retail. That was the the headline. I have to read the articles. Hold on one second. Uh, how many copies does Spyro sell? Uh, as of 2007, Spyro Dragon series has sold over 20 million copies worldwide, according to the LA Times. The Spyro sold. Uh, no, I don't want the old one. I want the new one. All right, let's let's introduce the topic. I'll come back to you. And... Well, hold on, Yield. What is your? Let's get the third opinion here. Uh, Yield, what's your opinion on on this? Do you think that Spyro is more marketable, or do you think Crash is more marketable? I would say uh, Crash. It re- honestly, it really depends on what genre, what generation, or what, not necessarily generation. It and what age group you're trying to hit. If you're trying to hit a younger age group, probably Spyro because it seems more, you know, kid, little dragon, all that stuff. But I think if you're going for a more middle aged and older, you're looking at Crash. And also, like, I mean, Tricky, you use Skylanders as an example. Do you have any toys and figures and characters that were in Skylanders? Right. Well, that that's, that's why I'm arguing, saying that Spyro is more marketable because they took, they took a character and they expanded on it, but it all bases on 
Spyro itself. That's what that's my argument. I'm not saying that Spyro's a better game or anything else. I'm saying they who knows? What if they made Skylanders and based it off of Crash from the start? Would we still be having this conversation? Would we say this with uh Spyro's my whole argument is not saying which character is better. I'm simply saying that because of the Skylander series, it can be argued that Spyro is more marketable than Crash. That's my point. Anything else, I, is, is, I'm not debating. But I will say, after they killed off Skylanders, what have you seen from Spyro since? You could arguably say that we got the, the remaster. I mean, but you could also say that we got the remaster because of how well Crash did. Yeah, and the remaster was a while ago. Because we thought that it would go year by year. They would skip a year for Crash and then do a Spyro game in between, but now they've just gone back to Crash again. I, I, I'm looking up sales numbers. I'm looking up VG charts right now. Uh, do we want to go uh, total sales, or can we just go PS4 sales? I mean, that would give a, a decent... I mean, if it's far outstriping Spyro on the, on the 4... You would assume that it would it'd be the same all over, but um, I don't know. If, you, if you've if you only got one, then let's go with whatever you got, but we would rather go with lifetime sales over all. Um, okay, according to, according to VG charts, which I, you know, I've said many times in the past, I don't think it's exactly reliable. Uh, Crash Insane Trilogy on the PS4 has sold 4.83 million copies. Spyro has sold 2.17 million copies. And this is PS4 only. So, twice as many. Uh, yes, I would say, yeah. Over twice as much. Again, I, I think the evidence is that um, Activision has put more money into reigniting the Crash franchise than the Spyro franchise. I mean, maybe time will tell we've got another Spyro game coming, but there's literally no rumors about Spyro. And we've been hearing about Crash okay. for months well, now. Hold on a second. I want to correct you because you said that we have another Spyro game coming. You meant Crash. No, no, no. I said time may tell and we may have another Spyro game coming in the future. But right no, now, no, no, they're you... all on hands on deck for Crash. Uh, you No, you said we have another Spyro game coming. You meant to say we have another Crash game coming. Well, yeah. Let's get back on topic here, gentlemen. Uh, I don't even know where the hell we are in the agenda. Oh, the next game, the next topic we have is there is a next-gen Mortal Kombat and Injustice games planned. That's simply the headline. The reason I mentioned that headline is because we have another story that says AT&T is looking to sell off WB Interactive, which includes studios like Rocksteady and NetherRealm. Uh, this article is coming from IGN. AT&T is reportedly looking to sell the Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment Gaming division, which includes the studios like NetherRealm, Avalanche, and Rocksteady, the deal could be valued at $4 billion. No, I'm not doing it like Dr. Evil. Billion. And there's a reported interest in companies from Take, like Take-Two, EA, and Activision, and Blizzard. In a report from CNBC, the telecom company's AT&T, which purchased Warner Brothers, Warner Media in 2018, is looking to divert divest some assets to help pay off a $200 billion in debt. 
This includes WWE Interactive, which has already been picked up interest from some of the games, uh, the industry's game's largest companies. Sources say a deal is not is not in place nor imminent. So, gentlemen, what do you think about AT and T trying to sell off WB Gaming Division? I mean, I had no idea they owned them in the first place. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I feel like every day or at least every week you learn that some company that you know is owned by another company that you never knew owned them. You didn't know AT and T owned Warner Bro- Warner Brothers. I no. did not. I figured that Warner Brothers was way too big for it to be owned by AT&T. Well, t- okay, well, I can understand why you don't know AT&T owned them, because technically Time Warner owned WB. And Time Warner's owned by AT&T, so it's like third company down type of shit. Yeah, no, so I had no idea. Yeah, all I'm gonna say to this is, uh, you know, as long as if if the studio still make great games, I don't give a fuck. But uh, where the fuck is Rocksteady with their game? I'm just gonna keep saying it. How many years has it been since Arkham Knight came out? Several. You'll Google that. When did all Arkham right. Knight come out? All right, here we go. I'm googling it. Here's a clickety clacky on the keyboard. No, I'm using my smartphone. Oh, that's right. You have a smartphone now. I do have a smartphone. Do you have to be smart to use that phone? No. 2015. Yeah, so now we're five years. So see, like I said, a while ago. So it's been five years, and we still don't even have a sniff of what the fuck they're working on. It's all right. They're probably working on something for the PS5, and it's going to be mind-blowing. Well, I I honestly thought we were going to get the answer during the reveal trailer, but that didn't happen. Uh, but what did happen during the reveal trailer is we got a look at Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And apparently, the mysterious female Lombax is going to be a playable character, as confirmed by Insomniac Games on Twitter. Now, really? You didn't... And again, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. You didn't realize that that was probably going to be a playable character? Well, I mean, to be honest, I never really... Gave it a thought of whether or not she was going to be playable or not. But I, I, I kind of figured when they separated Ratchet and Clank that at some point she's going to be playable. See, and when I saw that scene, my thought was, okay, I'm going to be playing as Clank now to go search for well, Ratchet. And, and I thought the same thing too, but then when the female Lombax comes in, it'd be like, you know what? It wouldn't shock me if she's a playable character. And it, and I don't know, maybe it's just me reading into the article, but it's almost like, oh my gosh, she's a playable character. And it's like, you didn't in, kind of partly anticipate that when you saw the trailer? I don't know, maybe it's just me. Alex, you were saying something? No, I was saying, like, is it time we introduce co-op into Ratchet and Clank? Because they, they did have all for one, but usually Ratchet and Clank games are a single-player experience. See, I... Okay, if you go multiplayer with Ratchet and Clank, then arguably you're gonna say one person's gonna play Ratchet, the other one's gonna play Clank. I don't know. I, I mean, I, you could do that, yes, but I would think that with this new female Lombax, they would throw her in there and say, "Okay, she is gonna be the um, the second character." Okay, I, I I was gonna say, I've never really found playing as Clank fun. Well, he's more for he's more for puzzle solving, but yeah, he's not a brawler. He- well, and it, he it 
it makes it really tough to play as as uh, Clank, just which is of why his they have kind of they've kept those sections to a minimum where you play Clank. I mean, they did have Secret Agent Clank on the PSP. I didn't play that, but but the more exciting aspects of the Ratchet and Clank games have always been if they've been split up, it's always been Ratchet and not Clank. Again, which is why the Clank sections have been generally more puzzle sol- muzzle- puzzle solving focused and smaller. All right. Uh, the next thing we have here is, despite all the hate for The Last of Us 2, and the fact that spoilers were leaked uh, weeks, if not months, ahead of time, The Last of Us 2 sales have smashed the record to become Sony's fastest-selling PlayStation 4 game ever. I object. I haven't bought it, so it can't be. <clears throat> I mean, I've contributed to it because I did buy the game and it's downloaded on my, my PlayStation 4 and now it's just I want to get through the last bit of Street Rage 4 and the last bits of the Pokemon Shield Isle of Armor DLC that I need to before I embark on The Last of Us Part 2. Because that's just going to suck right, up so my attention. So see, he did buy it, Tricky. I'm part I'm part of the success of The Last of Us Part 2. Um, okay, this is coming from VG247.com. The Last of Us 2 sales have smashed the record for, so- the record for Sony's fastest-selling PlayStation 4 exclusive, knocking off Naughty Dog's previous record holder by the wayside. The news comes from a report published by GameIndustry.biz, which inc- concludes that The Last of Us Part 2 sales have knocked off 2016's Uncharted 4 office perch as the fastest-selling PlayStation 4 exclusive of this generation, console's generation. Sales from the opening week have been approximately 1% higher than that of Uncharted 4, Although game industry report, uh, although the game industry report clarifies that digital sales were not factored into this statistic, meaning that the Last of Us Two may have smashed the record by even a wider margin. It's not surprising. I mean, we can we know that La- uh, that Naughty Dog is a very popular developer, and the Last of Us, there's the 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 storytelling that went into it. It was a very beloved game, and people love those characters. And the fact that we've had to, you know, the anticipation for this game has just built and built and built. And people have been looking forward to it. It's like like a, like a huge celebration, like the release of this game. And it's no surprise that it sold really well. I mean, th- this beats out, was it Spider-Man? Was it Spider-Man or God of War that previously held it? I don't think it? I don't think either one of them had the fastest selling. I think they had the most sales. I thought one of them was did one well Spider Man we know was the fastest selling superhero game or something like that because it beat out Arkham, the Arkham games, well or the uh, best selling I guess to, it was. According to this article, it says that uh, it come that it knocked off Uncharted Four off its perch as the fastest selling PlayStation exclusive. So according to this, at least to this article, it's saying that The Last of Us Two knocked off Uncharted Four. I think when you I think what you're referring to. And you know I can Google it. I think Spider-Man and God of War had the most console sales, not the fastest selling. Okay, I thought one of the two was the fastest selling. Uh, and it's also worth noting that, uh, which is probably you know understandable that The Last of Us Two is probably going to sell more than The Last of Us. They say the launch sales for The Last of Us Two have been roughly seventy-six percent higher than those from the first game. Well, yeah, because it's it's not a, it's an established IP and people know about it, right? So that's why I said it's it's pretty much understood that it was probably going to sell more. Well, and as you mentioned, Uncharted Four was the the other, the previous fastest selling 
game for the PlayStation 4, so to have it be another Naughty Dog game that breaks that record, not uh, not too surprising. Uh, I'm look. I'm trying just to clarify. Uh, uh, yeah, Spider Man was the most sold, which now currently stands at 13.2 million copies of the game. Okay, well here's the thing. Uh, I mean, this was back in September 20th, 2018, uh, but it that would have been after the release of, of Uncharted 4. Sony Santa right. Monica's God of War broke the record for fastest-selling PlayStation 4 exclusive earlier this year. It sold more than 3.1 3. million copies since first three days. That came from Variety magazine. Uh, okay. And then it says, also, Spider-Man dethrones God of War as Sony's fastest-selling title. Uh, before that, Naughty Dog's action-adventure game Uncharted 4 Thief's End held the record with 2.7 million copies sold the first seven days. Okay, so Spider-Man did dethrone. Uh, Spider-Man is now the fastest-selling first-party PlayStation title. Sony announced on Thursday the game sold over 3.3 million copies in the first three days. So Spider-Man was previously the, the high, or Uncharted 4 was, or God of War broke that, and then Spider-Man broke that, and I guess now Last of Us Part 2 breaks Spider-Man's hold as the okay, fastest so selling. Where- all right, so whoever wrote this article just probably just didn't do their proper research then. I, I, I like I said, I, I don't, I remember the stories. I mean, I also remember the stories saying that Spider-Man PS4 was actually the best-selling superhero game of all time as well. So, yeah, because it surpassed the Arkham series, which took ten years or so to amass that amount, and then Spider-Man busted it like in less than a year. Let's get into our next thing here. EA Play Live 2020 was uh, in between our break between shows, and they came out with a bunch of news. Uh, some of this I'm really not going to you know, really go too depth in depth on, but Apex Legends is heading to the Switch and Steam, and they have announced that full cross-play on all systems is coming later this year. So there you go with that. The Sims 4 is now on Steam, which... You know, we're a PlayStation show, so F that. Uh, Hazelight, uh, which is the studio behind uh, Yield, one of your uh, favorite games of recent memory. Um, a Way Out. Think, there you go. For some reason. I uh, have, have announced his new game. It takes two. Uh, it's the... Uh, studio's next game following a brother's A Tale of Two Sons and A Way Out, a co adventure. A uh, platformer that will quote blow your fucking mind away. It takes two follows a child whose parents are divorcing to cope. She creates imaginary versions of them who must work together to make it through the story. That's set to come out in 2021. Uh, Zoint Games announced Lost in Random. Uh, it's a game that takes place in the world of random, a quote dark kingdom where every citizen's future is determined by a roll of a dice. End quote. Uh, that's supposed to come out in 2021. That looked kind of interesting. Uh, Rocket Arena, which is a three versus three rocket game, gets a new trailer and will be released on July 14th. Uh, Rocket Arena is a competitive third person, three v three v three hero shooter that's all about using rockets to literally blow up the competition. Uh, go so go check that out. Uh, then we had a sports montage of you know all their games, like I said. Uh, Dragon Age, Battlefield, Need for Speed, EA Motive Projects uh, all got teasers. Uh, they announced a new skate game. They also announced seven games will be coming to the Switch this year. 
And I purposely skipped over a topic because I know Yield's going to go off about it. It was the uh, only reason to watch EA play to begin with. And a little behind the scenes, uh, I just mentioned that I wanted to go smoke a cigarette because we took a quick break, and now I really want to go smoke a cigarette. So I'm going to give Yield the floor and let him explain to you why he is getting an e-boner over Star Wars Squadrons because they showed some gameplay. Well, I'm, not, get, I'm not getting an e-boner over it. It was the only all thing right, worth right. watching EA play for because it was a Star Wars game. All right, take two minutes, three minutes, to talk about this so I can go smoke a cigarette. Uh, no, because you're a Star Wars fan. You have to be here. I, you know what? Honestly, I, I'm I'm going to say this. I'm intrigued to play it, but I really doubt I'm going to play it because I never really liked flight controls in games. You suck. So, I, I, I'm intrigued by it, like you said, but the, the price point will get me. The thing I'm disappointed in most is, yet it's EA, we're mainly focused on multiplayer instead of single player. So I was really hoping for more of a Rogue Squadron type game, but instead we got a mixture of it. So, but for forty bucks, launching in October, I'll I'll probably pick it up. I'm a little disappointed. Though it doesn't look like there's no B wings in it, and that that's a staple of Star Wars lore, especially taking place after Return of the Jedi. But that's. That's me here. So let me and let me let me it. just clarify you okay. just to make sure I've got it right. Yeah. Instead of yeah. being like a story focused Rogue Squadron like game, it's more of a Correct. multiplayer well, hey, we're gonna fly around and cooperatively try to, you know, come across this goal. So they've got a single player campaign and you play as both the New Republic and the Galactic Empire. They, they described it as you every other mission you play as the rebels and then you play as the Empire. To me, I got, and they didn't spend much time talking about single player. They were talking about all their multiplayer modes. So to me, it's going to seem like that more than likely the single player campaign is just going to be one giant tutorial, in in a sense. And then here, play multiplayer. So if it wasn't for 40 bucks, I'd probably be like, I'll just wait until it drops off into the, the $20 bin. But... Yeah, there, there, there's a single player, but they were talking about... They showed gameplay, and then they straight, straight went to, well, let's check out our multiplayer modes. We've got, you know, Deathmatch, and we've got Fleet Battles, which Fleet Battle does sound interesting, because you can do it with uh, online, or you can do it against AI, and their online is five, 5v5. So... And they did say that all of the unlockables for the game are unlocked through gameplay. So I kind of took that as like necessarily no microtransactions or at least Well, I think yet. they want to stay away from microtransactions after the all the hubbub Battlefront with Battlefront 2. Do you think that this is them? I mean, you said the single player kind of looks like a tutorial to get you ready for the multiplayer. Is this kind of like them trying to force people into multiplayer and say kind of because Battlefront Two, the original Battlefront was all multiplayer, right? Yeah, and Battlefront Two did have a single player game campaign, right? Yes. I mean, you know, but, I, I guess but, they think but, but, that but again, it was it was mainly multiplayer focused. But they, I mean, the focus is clearly still multiplayer. 
And you know, yes. if you if you want, do you feel like what you what you've seen? Do you feel like that? And what you know of the Star Wars games developed by EA recently, that if you're a single player, a character, a person who likes single player mostly, do you feel like this kind of is this something you should stay away from because it's so multiplayer heavy? Uh, probably. I mean, unless you really like the Star Wars space combat, which I I personally do. Well, judging by s- like how much people love Rogue Squadron, there are a lot of people out there that like it. Well, yeah, but I. If you if you go in expecting Rogue Squadron, I would say you're probably going to be kind of disappointed because it, like I said, it, it it gave me the feel that it we're going to focus primarily on multiplayer, and I was hoping above hope that we were going to get a. I knew there'd probably be some multiplayer in it, but I was hoping that we'd primarily do story driven space combat, so so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Rogue Squadron ish. I knew you're not you're not going to bring back Rogue Squadron, but along that line, and it just they EA'd it. I just came back to eat. They EA'd it. Yeah, well, you you came back at the good point. Can we move on now? Are you guys done? I mean, unless Alex has got another question, yeah, you can move on. No, I'm I'm good. I mean, I'm always intrigued by a Star Wars game, but something. There's only been really one game, that being Warhawk, that is multiplayer. Well, it's multiplayer only, but generally for me, within a game, it can have multiplayer aspects to it. But I always want the single player side to be more like a, the larger chunk of the pie in that. Well, I, I'll let you know when it releases because I probably will pick it up because I've been I've been jonesing for a Rogue Squadron game since the last version on the GameCube. So. And, and like I said before I, I took off, like, the, the game intrigues me. I just, I've never, ever been a fan of flight controls in games. Well, the, the, the thing that got me, the, the, I guess, that I was kind of interested in was on, on this game, you have the ability to divert power. You can divert power to your lasers to make them more powerful. You can divert your to rear shields, front shields, or your engine. Now, of course, if you do that, needless to say, you, you've taken power from somewhere else. But they were saying that that the game's kind of set up for anybody to pick up and play, but if you really want to be a, you know, if you get yourself to be like an ace pilot, you're going to be able to like 180 spin the ship and shoot a missile and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool if you ever get yourself to be that awesome. That, that that those points intrigue me. I don't know how much I will take advantage of it. I just like flying my X-Wing and my TIE Interceptor and blowing stuff up. And my B-Wing, but I don't get a B-Wing in this game, and I'm a little disappointed. Uh, has it been confirmed no B-Wing? I thought... Well, the, the ships that they showed, you're getting, for the Rebels, X-Wing, A-Wing, Y-Wing, and a U-Wing... And I'm like, well, where's the B-Wing? That was the, another backbone ship of the Rebels fighter. And it looked I, funny. Anyway. I, well, I, I don't think they really sold the ships, personally. Well, and they might be some DLC that they haven't announced yet. And my hope is that the B-Wing will get some love. But Hey, if the X-Wing is good enough for Wedge, it's good enough for you, Yield. Oh, no, no, no. I'm perfectly fine with an X-Wing, but... 
you know, the B we need some love. All right. Uh, speaking of love, PAX has canceled their live PAX West and PAX Australia live events this year and will re- be replaced with an all-digital virtual event, PAX Online, which will take place from September 12th through the 20th and will be free for everybody to attend. Well, it's PAX- online, so yeah, unless you're going to like <laughs> subscribe to it. Yeah. PAX Online is promising nine days of live shows, game reveals, exclusive hands-on demos, which I don't know how they're going to do that. Am I going to be able to play the game, or am I going to watch somebody play? Because that's really not a demo. That's a reveal of a demo. Yeah, anyway, continue. Uh, I mean, I guess they they always release them onto the console services, and you can download them from PlayStation Network. Well, yes, but then if you're playing the game on the demo, then you're not attending the event, so to speak. You I don't know. Have, I, you both have valid points. Well, no, they could say like you could watch the whatever the digital um, presentation, and then later they could say, "Hey, all the demos that you've seen on the show, or all the games that you've seen on the show, they now have demos on these networks." Right now, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. But I'm just saying, if they, if say day three, they release a demo of. X game, then you go play the demo, then you're not watching the event no more. So, I mean, could they turn around and say, okay, after the reveal, this game has been released as a demo? Absolutely. I don't know how they're going to work. This is, this is all news. Uh, this is the official replacement for PAX West and PAX Australia, which will no longer take place, likely due to the ongoing COVID pandemic. In a statement, PAX co-founder Jerry Holkins says, quote, PAX Online brings the shared experience home along with game reveals, exclusive hands-on experiences, the chance for, to hear from and speak with your favorite game developers, plus so much more. So, there you go. In September, we're going to get PAX Online. So everybody can go to PAX this year. I guess. It's better in person. It yeah, is. So much all right, so that is going to bring us to the end of our topics, but we have a topic of the week. We do? Which we do. Okay, let's do it. Um, which is going to be uh, a two-part um, because it's the second article is kind of like everything we know so far, but it's just a recap. But the first article we have here is coming from IGN. It says, the PlayStation 5 UI will be a complete overhaul a Sony executive says, uh, which we kind of figured there was going to be a uh, new UI as with every console. Um, but it says that it's going to be a 100% overhaul of the PlayStation 4 UI. As reported on The Verge, PlayStation VP of UX design, Matt McLaren, answered some questions about the PlayStation 5 on LinkedIn, which has now been deleted. There, McLaren revealed that the new UI for the PlayStation 5 is, quote, very inter- a very interesting evolution of the OS. As its UI, it's practical first, but it's a whole new visual language and complete re-architecting of the user interface. He describes the OS as more as a subtle, more subtle than flashy, but no pixel is untouched. Now, before I go into the second article here, I don't think any of us on the show currently or in the past 
have ever had a real problem with the UI of a PlayStation console. We've had problems with aspects of it, like the store not operating properly or not being able to group our games properly or stuff like that. But overall, I don't think we've ever had a problem with the way Sony has designed a UI. Am I correct in saying that, gentlemen? Yeah, you you always got the learning curve. You always got the learning curve when you first get it. I mean, I... I personally like the XMB over what we have now. I don't hate it. I just... I kind of like the XMB better. Alex, you said something. I oh, no, I was just saying you don't speak for me, Tricky. But, I mean, essentially, I, I it, <laughs> it takes a little time to get used to. it. To, like, for me, like, I watched a YouTube video the other day of all the startup sounds for all the PlayStations, and I get more attached to those than I do, like, the UI. The UI is just, it's kind of interchangeable. I, I really don't care. Some of them work better than others, but I, I've never had a problem traversing any of them. You know, like after you know, getting used to everything and, and learning where everything is, but yeah, like I, I'm far more attached to the startup sounds. I have to agree with that. All right, so now the second article is also come from IGN, and it's just labeled PlayStation Five: Everything We Know About Sony's Next Gen Console. So some of this is going to be a recap, but some of this might be new information for somebody that may not have heard this yet. Uh, when is the PlayStation 5 coming out? On October 9th, the PlayStation blog revealed uh, that the PlayStation release window is Q4 2020, which is October through December. Uh, so it's coming this year. Uh, Sony has then confirmed uh, that uh, it's still coming this year and the COVID-19 will have no impact on the release date. So currently it is still scheduled to come out before the end of this year. Uh, how much will wait, the PlayStation did you say 5... that in October, that's when they're planning to release it? They said it's Q4 October through December. Okay. I I mean, I would, I would argue, and, and just take an educated guess, that it's going to come out either late October or very early November because they're going to want this out before Black Friday. Yeah, they're not going to miss it on Black Friday sales. So... That's just my educated guess. But the, the problem uh, how with that much... is, I got the idea that, and I could be wrong about this, but didn't it say like the Miles Morales standalone game was coming out in December? Wasn't it say holiday 2020 or something? Yeah, well, that's always been the holiday 2020. When they announced the release date for the PlayStation 5, they announced it as fall 2020. Yeah, but that would that would imply that, it, that, that Miles Morales isn't going to be ready at launch. Again, we don't know. I, I did notice that the, the PlayStation 5 revealed that they we didn't get any solid dates. Obviously, excuse me. Obviously, that's because they didn't reveal the release date. And if Miles Morales was a launch title and they confirmed that it's coming out on this date, then they're essentially confirming the PlayStation 5 release date. Again, and not only did we not get a release date, we also did not get a price, which is the next part of this article. Uh, as of right now, there's been no official word on how much the PlayStation 5 will cost. Architect Mark Cerny is told Wired, quote, we will, we will be able to release the system at an SRP, uh, standard retail price, a suggested retail price, that will be appealing to the gamers in light of its advanced feature set. This doesn't necessarily give a firm price, but could suggest, depending on the price and availability of the tech used to power the PlayStation 5, we could see a more expensive console than this generation but perhaps not usually outside the norm. Now, there was a leak 
uh, from Amazon UK says that the listens for the console first started on Twitter. User Wario64 were marked at 599 pounds or roughly about 746 uh, US dollars, which obviously is not going to happen. There's no way in hell Sony's going to release this <laughs> You would hope they wouldn't be stupid enough to release a console at that. I, I mean, Cerny in that basically said... You know, he said that people would be happy to pay the or like they would be okay with paying the price of the PlayStation Five in light of the tech in there. Basically, him the nice way of him saying you're going to pay for what's in this box. Um, or as Tricky would so, say, in this V. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I told you it looked like a V. Now, uh, I'm not necessarily agreeing we with on... you, by the way, when I say that. Say what? I said I'm not necessarily agreeing with you when I say that. Are you still trying to say it doesn't look like a V? Yields on my side about this. I am on his side about this. How could you both look at that console and not see the V? Because I see a... Okay, I, I said this last time we had this discussion. The whole console is not shaped like a V. The, outs, the outer edge is designed to where, yes, when you stand it up, there is a V shape. Now, the concept uh, console or the dev kits, those were a V-shaped console this is not a v-shaped console it has a v outline to it i'm probably still using the wrong word but you get what i'm saying you absolutely are using the wrong word (laughs) you you get what i'm saying it's not it's still a rectangle it just has the outline of a anyway you're not going to you're not going to change my opinion and i'm with alex all right you can go die on your hill I'm not dying on my home. I'm saying very proudly and saying that uh, hashtag Tricky was right. No, uh, no you weren't. So let, let's Look, get into You also this said you bit. were right in saying that Horizon Zero Dawn was the launch title. I, I, I'm i still not convinced it's not. They said they're shooting for 2021. I I understand that, but until we get a firm release date... Uh, yeah, now now who sounds like Yield a couple episodes ago? <laughs> Giving yield so much shit about that, and now you've become yield. I, 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 no, no, I'm saying it. Listen, I already said it's not a launch title, but I, it, it very much surprises me that it's not a launch title. I agree. I mean, it's shocking that it's not. All right, so let's get into this because we're getting a little long winded here. Uh, As far as the PlayStation Five costs, this is a rumor that I heard from an unknown source that I will not reveal. Uh, a lot of speculation has been said because that Sony's releasing two consoles, one with a disc and one digital only, that the disc was, uh, just throwing numbers out, uh, that the one with the disc is going to cost $500, and arguably the digital only one is going to either cost 400 or 450 uh, According to the person that I spoke to, it it's being rumored that both consoles will cost the exact same amount. Because the digital version is going to have a shit ton of hardware space. Hard drive space. It, Right. They're going to put a bigger hard drive in the second console. Because you would have or to since the, it's all digital. Right. So, that is what I'm hearing. As far as the price, I'm hearing it's going to be $500. Again, none of this is confirmed. I don't want anybody to turn around and say that, you know... I'm just telling you, I talked to somebody on the inside, and this is what I'm hearing. Look at that yield. Tricky's got a guy. He's got, got a guy. guy. I got a guy. Uh, okay, uh, PlayStation 5's 3D audio. Um, 
A lot of people don't understand what 3D audio means. And to be quite honest, I don't know how I can explain it to you. Just go with well, it. Yield and I Just are idiots it. when it comes to technology, so technology and math are not our, our strong points, so do the best you can to dumb it down for us. Uh, yes, the best please, way us simpletons do, over here. The best way I can explain this is it's 7.1 surround sound, but it's more impactful. Oh, yeah, that just cleared everything my entertainment out. center. No, because if you wear my headset, windows. No, it, uh, have you either either one of you ever been inside of a car that has a base box in the car? No. Uh, I've never owned one. Well, not you know what? If I can't remember right off the top of my head, the answer is probably no. Okay, just think of it like this: take seven point one surround sound, like the, the <sighs> like at a movie theater, IMAX light. Never seen an IMAX movie. You killed. Yield, me. you're missing out. <laughs> Either way, just like the powerfulness of an IMAX theater, like this, that sound quality, but it's much reduced, and it's in your headset. Well, if it's reduced, that's just a bummer. All right, so now moving on to the next part of this topic. Uh, here are all the confirmed PlayStation 5 games. Uh, if I stop... Um, okay, in this list, they're going to be exclusive and timed exclusives. I will point those games out to you. Uh, if anything that I say and I don't say anything, that means it's multi-platform. Here we go. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Astro's Playroom, which is exclusive, Battlefield 6, Bug Snacks, Chivalry 2, Chorus, Control, Signally All Games, All Guns Blazing, Deathloop, which is a timed exclusive, Demon Souls, which is exclusive, Destiny 2, Destruction's All Times, which is All Stars, which is exclusive, Dirt 5, Dying Light 2, Fortnite, Ghostwire Tokyo, Godfall, Gods and Monsters, Goodbye Volcano High, Gothic Remake, Gran Turismo 7, which obviously is an exclusive. GTA 5, Hitman 3, Horizon Forbidden West, exclusive. Jet, The Far Shore, Kena, Bridge of Spirits, Little Devil Inside, Madden 21, Microman, Metal Hellsinger, <coughs> Moon, M- Moonray, NBA 2K21, Nith Infinity Reborn, Observer System Redux, Oddworld Soulstorm, Outriders, Pragmata, Project Athia, which is exclusive. Psy Hotel, Quantum Error, Quantum S- Rainbow Six Quarantine, Rainbow Six Siege, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which is exclusive. Redo Enhanced Edition, Resident Evil 8 Village, Returnal, exclusive. Sackboy, A Big Adventure, exclusive. Scarlet Nexus, Solar Ash, Soulborn, Spider-Man Miles Morales, exclusive. Stray, Lord of the Rings Golems, The Pathless, the Sims 5, Tribes of Midgard, Ultimate Fishing Simulator 2, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, Warframe, Watch Dogs Legions, and the World uh, World Rally Car Championship 9. Those are all the confirmed PlayStation 5 games. Additionally, an update to the PlayStation Block confirmed that Sony intends to support the majority of the 4,000 plus PlayStation 4 titles with backwards five, uh, PlayStation 5 backwards compatibility. So there you go. 
the question is how long is it going to take to uh, for that to happen? Because they said what initially it'd be just how many games was it a hundred? Well, Mark certainly at, when when he was talking about the specs, he said that the top hundred games would be supported. Yeah, so yeah, that's where I got the hundred from. But that's at so. launch, right? And they'll have to figure in other games later on. Well, I what, what I stopped reading, but it says this comes after Mark Cerny's initial statement affirming almost all of the top 100 PlayStation, forms, PlayStation 4 games would be supported at launch. So. Uh, industry analyst David Ahmad took to Reset Era in January 2020 to explain most of Sony's first-party studios are focused on developing for the PlayStation 5, which is to be expected. Uh, okay, we talked about the console design in you boys not believe it, it looks like a V. Uh, the DualSense controller, which we talked about before. Does the PlayStation 5 support PSVR? Good news first, your existing PlayStation VR hardware will be compatible with the PlayStation 5, just like all your standard PlayStation 4 games that would be backwards compatible. Your PlayStation VR games library should work on the next generation as well. And that's exciting, particularly considering all the big upcoming PlayStation VR games uh, that have been announced. And I didn't put the PlayStation VR topic into the show because I know you gentlemen don't care about VR as much as I do. Well, it seems Sony doesn't care a whole lot about VR either at the moment because we didn't see a lot of no, VR they, at their their presentation. Well, no, they did. They did a separate VR show. Ah, but they were. It uh, seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they didn't advertise that one as well. No, I didn't. I I didn't even know about it until an hour before we recorded. And you own a VR? Yes. Uh, but granted, I've been lost in the world of Last of Us for the last five days, six days. And you still haven't platinum it. I I I I would arguably say I'm only about thirty percent into the game right now, and I've put. And you say, and you I call exactly yourself a fan. <clears throat> it's on pause next to me. I'll tell you exactly how long, how many hours I put into this game so far. Oh, so how long has the game been on pause and you're just stockpiling out hours played? Oh, no. Uh, my current save, which registered at uh, seven minutes before we recorded, so you could add, arguably add two hours into that, uh, is I'm 11 hours and four minutes into the game. And you've had it for five days? I'm taking my time. I told you. Are you playing like five minutes at a time? I'm playing like 20, 30 minutes at a time, yeah. Okay, man. I, I'm I'm telling you, I'm really taking... After waiting for this game seven, eight years, I'm taking my time with it. I am not rushing through this. I didn't say rush, but for God's sakes, man, 11 hours and five days? <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm taking my time. I guess so. You gonna unwrap that? You gonna unwrap that shrink wrap on that game? I say let's let's give Tricky some credit because he's actually playing somewhat respectably, like a someone who knows how to manage their video game play does. Uh okay. Uh, as whether a PlayStation two point uh, PSVR two will launch with the new system, uh, no nobody Sony has confirmed. And pre orders, unfortunately, there is no pre order information right now. Well, they don't so know when that, it's going to be released yet. So that is a our, our topic of the week. Now, Alex, being the good man that he is, and I, I want I want to personally thank him for putting this question out there because I totally forgot. Well, to. no, no. Here's here's why I did it because I saw that you posted in the Trophy Horse chat on Facebook or the the group, and I'm like, you know what? I had better um, 
I had better post in there about questions because if not, it's going to be 30 minutes before the show and Tricky's finally going to put something in there because y'all always, y'all always kind of wait until the last minute to, uh, you know. I, I, I do forget to put it in there. All right, so let's get into our Facebook questions. Uh, Alex posted, we are recording tonight. Please leave your questions in this thread. PlayStation 5 thoughts, Last of Us impressions, favorite launch, go-tos, anything. I'm glad you say you didn't say below because then we know Jeff Hanna would have came in with a below comment. Oh, shit. I'll have um, to remember to do that next time. We love hearing from Jeff Hanna. All right, so the first uh, comment it comes from Sid. Uh says, hate all this review bombing rubbish regarding The Last of Us 2. People really need to grow up. For me, the game is great, and yes, that includes the story. Two minor gripes, the horse didn't like... Two minor gripes, the horse didn't like the way it used the gate areas, and for me, not enough infected. Okay. Uh, Mark Duplex responded, Tried to steer clear of any reviews, so I didn't see spoilers. Saw the user scores, laughed, because nobody with half a brain is giving this game a zero. Sid responded by saying, yeah, for me, it's better than one controversial I know, but that's how I feel about 10 hours in. Mark replied saying, the first was amazing. It doesn't feel as fresh as the new one. Excuse me, feel feel as fresh and new as the first one, but in no way does it make it a bad game. I appreciate people might not like the way the story went, but hey, make your own games and tell your own story. Sid replied, well said, mate. Uh, and Mark replied saying, imagine working that long on a game just to see Mass Zeros flying in. I would be devastated. In which Sid replied, yeah, it's pathetic and cruel. Your thoughts, gentlemen? To some degree, I think that if, you're the, if you put yourself out there in, in the public sphere, and, and I'm not saying it's right, but if you put yourself on the internet, even like someone, if you just go post on Reddit or some shit like that, you have to be able to take some shit. Because let's be honest, there's not enough people out there. Not everyone's respectable. Not everyone is going to be, you know, ha- have tact or show proper respect. So there's just going to be a lot of dickheads out there that you're kind of going to have to sift through when you put yourself out there. And with a game like this, a game that's very beloved, a game that's got a lot of press, a lot of marketing, it's a huge Sony game, you know, it's not right that people are just review bombing it you know if you have problems with the game that's fine but don't give it zeros for for because you didn't like one aspect of it or you don't like sony or you don't like naughty dog that's stupid rate the game fairly criticize what you need to but your entire you know critique of a game should not be destroyed by one aspect of the game so um but i i think these developers like yes it would really suck to work so hard and then see like all this bullshit but I, I feel like Naughty Dog is a game studio that they know how good the work they do is and they are proud of what they put out there. And, you know, clearly with two delays, Sony wanted to make sure that they got this right. So I would hope that Naughty Dog knows well enough that they are capable of making great things and that people just review bombing the game. Like, just you kind of you brush it off as best you can, as hard as that might be sometimes. Yield. Yes. Oh, there went my water bottle. We talked. We talked about it earlier about the review bomb. Okay. So. I just didn't know if you wanted to add anything else to it. Nah. Right, the next comment comes from uh, Mark Duplex saying, "Watch the PlayStation Five showcase of games of what was shown. What game are you most looking forward to playing, and why?" He says his is Keena Bridge of Spirits. 
Uh, well, Mark, we kind of touched on that last episode when we did the uh, live react review and then the show right afterwards. But yes, uh, Kina is speaking for me. Also, Horizon, obviously, and Spider-Man, and a couple others that I saw in there. Yeah, and Ratchet & Clank is a big one for me, in addition to Horizon. Deathloop is another one. Kena Breach of Spirits is another one for me. That's getting a lot of love. It's nice to see that. And there was one more game that I was really high on that I, I can't think of right in the moment right now. All right. Yield, do you have anything you want to point out? or you uh, last week's uh, stand? Just Ratchet & Clank, uh, Horizon... Uh, the Kenya looked really interesting, and there was oh, I can't think of them off the top of my oh, head. But there oh, was a couple. The of I, I just remember the one that I was kind of very high on, but I didn't like the name Returnal. Uh, I I want to see what that <laughs> game's all about. All right, the next comment we have is from Andrew, who says, "Do you think Sony and Microsoft are going to release their console pricing at the end of Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest?" Uh, do you gentlemen know what Summer's Game Fest is? All right, the next question comes from Andrew, who says, Do you think Sony and Microsoft are going to release their console pricing at the end of Jeff Keighley's Summer's Game Fest? Now, gentlemen, do you know what Summer's Game Fest is? I know who Jeff Keighley is, but this, this event that he has is new to me. Is this, is this what he came up with when he said he wasn't going to E3 anymore? Correct. Uh, according to the website, uh, Bringing the World Together to Celebrate Video Games from the Comfort of Home, Summer Game Fest is a season of digital video game events from publishers, select playable content, in-game events, and more to be announced. Uh, and one of the first events uh, that, Alex, you're going to want to pay attention to is actually tomorrow as of this recording at 10.30 a.m. I'll be at work. Is the, is the official Crash Bandicoot 4 reveal. Oh, Jeff Keighley nabbed that, huh? Well, good for him. Uh, some of the things that are, uh, according to the website, uh, June 23rd is the New Game Plus Expo, uh, the 24th, uh, which is all going to happen before you guys hear the show, is the Marvel's Avengers War Table, June 25th uh, is Cyberpunk 2077, and the 27th is Bit Summit Gaiden. Uh, in July, they have scheduled on the 12th Ubisoft press conference, uh, uh, so that's going to happen at 3 p.m. Eastern on July 12th. July 14th is the Stadia uh, reveal or, or conference. And on the 20th of July is the that's developer still, showcase. That, that's still a thing. What? Stadia? Yeah, it's still going. Oh, okay. And there's events in August, which we'll, you know, as we get close to August, we'll, uh, re you know, reach out and we'll tell you what those are. Uh, but most uh, most of the shows is Gamescom 2020s uh, stuff. So, uh, back to Andrew's question. Do we think that they're going to reveal their price? I'm going to say no. What was the date they suggested they might reveal it at? It just says, do you think Sony and Microsoft are going to release their console pricing at the end of Jeff Keighley's Summer's Game Fest? So, by basis of the question... Uh, they're saying, do we think we're, that they're going to reveal the price before August 30th? I mean, if you're coming out in October, because they, they, the opening window for it was October 9th, correct? Yes. That's, well, okay, let me... Okay, get, uh, go ahead, Alex. Well, I was going to say, that would be two answer. months away from the release of the console. I'd figure by then you'd have to. 
Because if you're taking pre-orders... I, I want to clarify my answer because I said, do I think... I said, no, do I think they're going to reveal the price? Do I think we're going to have a price by then? Yes. Do I think that Sony or Microsoft is going to do it at one of the Games Fest conferences? No. I think it's going to be a separate uh, announcement. What do you think? Well, actually, do you think it would be better just for them to do on the PlayStation blog? Probably. Or do another Wired article or just, you know, hit up an IGN and say, hey, this is the price. Because Well, I would think that they would do it on the PlayStation blog because that way they get to control the flow of news. And I think that's something that they want to control the news on. And I think I think Microsoft would probably smart to do it on their own, uh, you know, website. Uh, in in responses to this, uh, oh wait, yield. What do you think? Do you think they're going to do it at the event or by that time, or what do you? Think? How how long's the event now? So it starts according, this week. According to the website, the last official thing is August thirtieth. We have to have a price by then, correct? Yeah, it's not going to be at the end of August. If it's running that, if it's running from almost a two-month event, yeah, you're going to get it by then. And do you think they'll announce it at the event or on their own? I agree with you guys that it would be smarter for them to announce it on their own. Either do their own state of play again or do it on the blog. All right, and response to Andrew's question, Mark chimed in, says, What's your guess on the price? The leaked four ninety nine seems to write about to him. Andrew replied, I also feel four ninety nine is quote the sweet spot for price. The real question in my mind is which skew is that price a point attached to? Four ninety nine for this base PlayStation five would be awesome because the digital console would be cheaper. The other way around could hurt the wallet though, as it, it would likely push the D- disc based console closer to five ninety nine. Mark replied, "Totally agree on price four ninety nine. Hopefully, we'll see disc based. I consider digital only console at a cheaper price, if the games I bought on disc also counted as digital for the other console." Well, we know that I don't the, think... the what we said earlier that the download or the download only console will be at the same price as the the disc version. Jesus. Is that confirmed or is that rumor? Uh, what I said earlier, it, that's a rumor. Okay. And that's an inside source. Um, but I want to reply something here Mark said. Uh, he says, I consider a digital-only console at a cheaper price point if the games I bought on disc also counted as digital for the other console. I'm assuming what he's saying is that... He would get a download game- code for a digital copy. For the PlayStation 4 games. Oh, for the play- so essentially he bought him for the PlayStation 4 and then he would have a download code to go put into the 5 digital version and he could well, play games that he had bought already. Right, because arguably it, they're saying that all the PlayStation 4 games are going to be backwards compatible with the PlayStation 5. But if you are a yield of the world and you bought the uh, digital-only console... There's no way for you to play your PlayStation 4 games on the PlayStation 5 because well, you have not going to want the digital version. No, no. What I'm what I'm what I'm saying is, if Yield wanted bought the digital only version, he would not be able to play his PlayStation 4 games on his PlayStation 5 because there's no disc slot to put it in. So how would Sony going to compensate for that? They won't. Are they? Well, I I don't think they will either. But there's also been. You know, rumors 
that Sony's going to offer some kind of program where you send them the disc, they send you a code, a digital code. Well, Yield's definitely not going to do that. Not happening. And, I, you know, no. there have been a lot of people commenting and questioning, like, the ownership of a game when you go to an all-digital format. And I, I think that you would have a lot of people resistant to that idea that it would block out the digital download-only version just by virtue of that, that they would have to send in the disc copy to get a digital code. All right. Uh, next question comes from Andrew, who says... What seems more likely to happen for the PlayStation 5? PlayStation Now and Plus be, uh, will have an option to bundle m- much like the Xbox, or Sony announces a full streaming service similar to Project X Cloud, assumingly via Gaikai. I think it's more likely that Plus and Now are going to combine into one. Do you think then that they would up the cost maybe by 10 bucks a year for... Plus, so go from sixty to seventy. I think they, uh, I think the price is going to stay the same, and they're just going to throw it now into PlayStation Plus. Why you still think they're trying to make it a go? I think they'll just get rid of now. No, now is actually more successful than uh, Game Pass, and there are more subscribers to PlayStation Now than they are to PlayStation Plus. Yeah, but really? why then, if it's PlayStation Plus and? PlayStation Now are successful, would you combine them and only charge, essentially, instead of charge, because it's 30 bucks a month for PlayStation Now, right? Uh, no, I think it's actually down to $10 a month. Okay. Let me look, let me look, let me look at the prices. Get, just keep talking a second. I, because I would think that they would, uh, if they combine them as a service into one, I mean, that would be nice, but also they would, I don't think they would keep the cost at $60. Uh, right now, for a one month subscription to PlayStation Now, it's $10. A three-month subscription is $25, and a 12-month subscription is $60. Okay, so you think that they would just bundle those together instead of making that extra money off of now? They would just bundle it together with the cost of PlayStation Plus? I think that they would combine now into Plus to drive more Plus sales. And if anything, maybe increase it by $10, but I, I doubt they will do that because... I, I just PlayStation now doesn't get a lot of love, but it's very successful for PlayStation. I think the last time they said they had like uh, like ten million subscribers to the PlayStation now. Impressive. Uh, yeah, but if you uh, that's what like think of that the extra money they get every month for PlayStation, even if it's only ten dollars a month, like. Think of how much extra money that brings in with 10 million, 10 million subscribers to PlayStation Now. You give that up if you just bundle it in and don't charge extra for Plus. I mean, I, I financially, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I don't disagree. I'm just thinking that Sony's just going to morph the two into each other. And you know what? As I'm sitting here thinking about it, maybe increase the price by $10, $20. But then you I look think, at. Well, they increase the price. Dude, then you start alienating plus members. Because you, you up it that much, I'm not paying that for now. Well, right now, you can arguably get a, uh, a plus subscription for $50, $60 a year. It was originally, well, it was originally $50, and they bumped it up to 60 
And I think that going from 60 to 70, adding that $10 on for to add PlayStation Now in there would be more acceptable than, than raising it from 50 to 60 in the first place. Well, but now, I mean, there's constant sales going on. Even you just posted that uh, Sony put it on sale for what? 40% off or something like that? You it was, it was a, 30% off. You get it for 45. Generally, you oh, see that once off. a year closer to Black Friday, but I guess they, they're running... It's not State of Play. Days of Play is what it is. So they're doing their Days of Play promotion, or they were recently when it was on sale. So, I mean, you know, them bundling that in there with it is bound to grab some eyes. See, what I do, what I do is every Black Friday... Well, I did one Black Friday, um, is I bought, I think, 10 years of plus... I, I spent three hundred dollars and I bought like ten years of plus. My PlayStation Plus subscription does not end until twenty twenty seven. I'm good until twenty twenty two, so I got two years. So even if they bump up the price, I don't give a fuck. I'm already subscribed. Yield, <laughs> I would say hit the Black Friday deals, get PlayStation Plus for a couple of years. Well, that's normally what I do every year. All right. So the next question comes from Homer. Actually, Wait, it's not we, a question. Did we answer that last question properly? Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Let's go back to it. Because I, well, I, you I just want to make sure. I don't want us to to leave um, the question well, Andrew's question. Well, Andrew's question is, what is more likely, PlayStation Now and Plus have an option to bundle, much like Xbox, or Sony announces a full streaming service similar to Project xCloud? Now, do you guys know what Project xCloud is? No. Project xCloud basically means that you can stream. Think of remote play on your Vita. But you can okay. do that anywhere because you can play Project xCloud on any device. You don't need a Vita to do the remote play. So on your iPad or on your phone, whatever it may be, you can. No, I don't see Sony doing that. No, so I think I think Sony wants you playing through through their box, through their console. Yeah. And Microsoft has always they're much better at dealing with the cloud, and we know that the cloud is a huge push for them with the Xbox Series X. And I think Sony wants you to play on a dedicated PlayStation console because they want you to have to buy that console as opposed to just an account on their with their company. Alright. Uh I'm not dismissing you, but Jared uh, just left a comment on the Patreon post asking if we recorded it. I just responded, we're recording right now. So I don't know why he left a comment there. Oh, he, he okay. He, uh, he did leave a comment. So uh, Homer is makes a statement says, Cheetos are amazing. The crunchy ones, not the cheesy poofs. They can all go die in a grease fire. Was he was he asking for our opinion on on, or just? I think he's making a statement. All right, he's just making a statement. I mean, that's that's fine. If that if that's what makes uh, you happy, Homer, then you you as an adult, that is your prerogative. Uh, Corey from the GameStop podcast says, "Now that the best hosts are all by themselves, surprise, surprise, they're not Corey. What are you? What is your best impression of Tricky Mick?" Wait, what is what does his comment mean? Well, I made the joke on Facebook that I was lost in Seattle, so he's assuming that you two are recording without me. Well, I I appreciate the uh, 
The vote of confidence. I was taking the week off. I don't, I don't even know if Yield and I can accept that, <laughs> even without Tricky here. Uh, but he wants to know what's your best impression of me. I'm gonna go have a snack for fifteen minutes. Go back and listen to my uh, Vita winning impression. Wait, hold on, hold on. I've got, I've got it, I've got it. So yeah, we're here talking about PlayStation. <coughs> Damn smoking. Sorry. <laughs> I can't do Tricky's voice, but I can do a cough. All right, and well, hold on, Jared. Gilt, do you want Guild? Give some kind of impression, impersonation. Can't just be me coughing. Well, that was a pretty good one. It was, I gotta admit. I got, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, hey guys, keep talking. I, I'll be right back. Oh, I gotta, I gotta make sweet love to this Harley Quinn statue. <laughs> you know, you guys are leading perfectly into the last question. <laughs> good, perfect. Alright, and then Jared uh, says we should unpin that message from 2018. He's referring to the Patreon post I was just to- talking about, which is posted on top of the Facebook group. He says, but I gotta ask, why all the tricky hate? Because we can. Wait, wait, you mean on the show or in the questions? Because it seems like he's talking about the questions. I think he's talking about everything. <laughs> but I, I would have... Well... You have to under, you guys have to admit that over the last two months, ever since Levi and everybody else got involved, there's been a lot of tricky bashing. What the hell? Oh. I have, I don't feel like I've unba- I bashed you unnecessarily. No, not not you from the community. Le- from the community between everybody oh. saying that uh, the game stuff is the flagship show. Uh, Daryl left a comment on the game stuff group. I don't know if you guys saw it. Saying, when are you guys going to leave the Proving Podcast Network and join the Loot Brothers Podcast Network? There's been a lot of hate towards me lately. I mean, I, and I'll say all, this. That I didn't even know the Loot Brothers Podcast Network was a thing. I thought they quit years ago. But don't psh. Yeah. Hey, we're still waiting for our trophies, by the way. We're, we're not getting yeah. them yield. I know, but I'm still going to throw that out there every time they make themselves relevant. Yeah, because yeah, cause, well, Daryl was hosting... PG spoilers for a while. So how how recent is Loot Brothers? As far as like a like how more like recently did they revive that? Well, I don't know because they don't number their shows. And uh, yield, you said when they become more uh, relevant again. When were they ever relevant? Bitch. Ah, uh, so that's going to close out the show. Oh, Let- thank heavens! Let's. Oh, damn, it's been two hours. I know! Did you not see your show notes, Tricky? Did you not foresee this happening? Well, granted, a lot of these I thought we were just going to blow through, but then we got long-winded quite a lot. And you know what? I know, and and this is a little behind the scenes for the listeners, I know that you two really do not like doing long shows. Well, well, here's here's, here's the reason why. Yes, like, when you have to... It's a pain when you have to edit the show, but... Because like, even like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, that matters because that takes up a lot of time. Because you think 20 extra minutes, that's 60, that's an extra hour of audio because you got three people. But like I try to be respectful of our listeners' time because like I don't want to assume that we're the only podcast they listen to. And like it's, I mean, these days, like listening to a bunch of two hour podcasts, like that's an effort. Like that's an endeavor, especially if you can't listen at work every day or on a commute. Well, I- 
And but I will tell you, there's been a lot of feedback in in both directions. A lot of people saying, "Hey, you know, shorten up the shows." And then there's also comments going, "Hey, you guys should just giant bomb it and do three hour podcasts." Oh hell no, no! I like, oh I, hell no! I like no. the giant bomb. Like I like the guys at Giant Bomb, but I like the fact that this, some of their shows became like four hour shows. It's like, come on now, that's that's way too much. I I I'm not offering an opinion either way. All I'm saying is when we do these shows, I have one standard rule. I introduce a topic, and I let the conversation flow until it starts repeating itself, then I move on. Unless I know I'm under a time crunch where I say, hey, we got to do the show in an hour, we have to do the show in an hour and a half. My standard rule is I introduce a topic, and I let the conversation go, and when it starts repeating itself, that's when I move on. Gotcha. Mental note. Move show along faster, start repeating yourself. I hate you, Yield. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's that time of the show, you know it, where we clean this shit up. Now, we love interacting with you all, but we want to let you all know how you can interact with us. You can go to Facebook and check out our Facebook page. You can also go to Twitch. We're on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash Proving Gamer. If email is your thing, trophyhors at ProvingGamer.com is the address, or you can even call us and leave a message on our phone number, 330-PROVEN9. That's 330-776-8369. If you like what we do here on Trophy Whores, there are other podcasts on the Proven Gamer Podcast Network. Those are PG Spoilers and Game Stuff. Now, where can you find all of these lovely podcasts? Apple Podcast, which is formerly iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, various podcast apps, Google Play, and you can find Trophy Whores and Game Stuff on Pandora, Tune in, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Now, before we leave you all for the evening, we got to share our lovely sponsor with you all. Amazon.com, the world's largest retailer, world's largest online retailer, where shopping is simple from your couch and you don't even have to leave your house. But before you go to Amazon.com, go to ProvingGamer.com first. We have a link to Amazon on our front page. Hit the link. It'll take you exactly to where you want to go to your shopping experience. It's not a huge step, and it definitely helps out the website a ton. So please take that extra step for us. We would greatly appreciate it. If you want to support us on Patreon, we have a page. It's patreon.com forward slash proven gamer. And even if you can't support us with money, we would gladly have your marketing, your word of mouth, your recommendations. If you would recommend us to a friend, a family, a coworker, a neighbor, we would greatly appreciate it. Best marketing we can ask for. And last but not least, we are proud to be a partner with the Humble Bundle. HumbleBundle.com is a charity initiative that every week bundles together digital media in tiered bundles. These tiered bundles, you get to name your own price, but it's not quite as easy as that because because they are tiered. You, The more you put in, the more of the content you'll get. Now, of course, it being charity, the more money you can give, the better. But the bundles are typically a very great value, so the more money you put in, it's a win-win situation. That is going to wrap it up for this part of the housekeeping, but... That is also going to bring us to the greatest part of the show, shout-outs. All right, so with that being said, let's close out the show with some shout-outs. Uh, Yield, you go first, sir. So, give a shout-out to Tricky and Alex for showing up to record tonight. A shout-out to all the Pimps and Mavs in the Horridom. Thank you for downloading, listening, being you. You guys are awesome. A shout-out to my wife. For getting me hooked me up with a couple of video games at a garage sale this weekend. Did you report them to the backlog beatdown? No, because I'm not officially doing the backlog beatdown. I'm unofficial. I'm unofficially doing it, and I will write that down. Yes, 
Okay, well, technically those don't count against you because uh, your wife bought them, which apparently is some bullshit rule that Daryl came up with, saying that if his wife buys him a game, she doesn't get a negative one because he didn't buy the game. Oh, see, I was going to throw that out there, but okay, cool, so it doesn't count against me. Even better. Uh, No, it counts against you. It just doesn't count against Daryl. Oh, no, no, no. If it doesn't count against Daryl, it don't count against me. No, you know what? You need to take that up with the console. I ain't taking it up with the console because I'm not officially in it. I can make my own rules. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she hooked me up with a couple of video games at a garage sale. So, what games were those? That's it. Uh, she got me Vampire. And you wonder and, why these shows are two hours long? Well, if he's going to uh, sit Assassin- here and say he got two games, I figured the listeners would like to know what games. An Assassin Creed I'm, Odyssey. I'm not, I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying, and you wonder why these shows are two hours long. And just for tricky, I passed on God of War. I hate you, motherfucker. <laughs> How could you pass on that game? Seriously. Well, be, seriously, because they wanted 12 bucks for it, and you can get it for 20 brand new, and I'm like, that's not a big enough difference, so if I, I'm going to pick it up, I'll get it brand new. But okay. I did debate about it. I did. I really was like, well, everybody says it's really good. Maybe I should just go ahead and get it. I'm know, hanging like, my head in shame for you right now. That's fine. I'm okay with that. That's okay. I, 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 I could die and not play God of War and be perfectly fine. Alex, your shout-out, sir. Give a shout-out to the listeners, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horse. Thank you all for your continued support of the show and pushing us to even greater heights to getting us all on all of these mediums where we can be heard and just, you know, being, being fans. We appreciate you guys because the show is nothing without uh, our audience, without our community. So, again, thank you all very, very much. Give a shout-out to Tricky and to Yield for recording for two hours on all of this and for, uh, for Tricky understanding why I got to finish Streets Rage 4 before I can play The Last of Us Part 2 and not, you know, tar and feathering me in a public square. And last but not least, I will give a shout-out to my loving girlfriend, Ashley, who got me some very nice Sony earbuds today, some Bluetooth uh, wireless earbuds. Very, very nice. Fit my ear very well. Very comfortable. And, uh, yeah, it's a very nice Father's Day gift, so thank you, honey. I love you. And uh, give a shout-out to Sweet Mama D, who's in the house and on the mic. Say hi to Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, Sweet Mama D. Tell you to play God of War. Tell him. See, she doesn't want to do it. Even she doesn't think it's that good of a game. <laughs> Where are you going? It's Father's Day. You have to stay here with me. <laughs> you know what? I was going to take that out of the show, but now I have to leave it. Can you make that sound again? What? <laughs> no, it was, it was better the first time. There was more of a groan in it. You know what? Keep going. I'm going to let it hit the two-hour mark. Oh, we're going to get there by the time you get down with your shout-outs anyway when we play the intro song. Outro song, not intro. Outro. Go! I want to give a shout-out to the goddess who is currently trying to make me a uh, Father's Day meal. Apparently, she also made me a cake. And she bought me a Baby Yoda. The cake is a lie. And it's not Baby Yoda, it's the child. No, it's Baby Yoda. Is it really Baby Yoda, or is it in reference to the Mandalorian? It's Baby Yoda. No, that's the reference to the Mandalorian, that's the child! It's Baby Yoda. Oh my gosh. 
Shout out to Sweet Mama D who just came out here and disrespected me on Father's Day. I'm gonna have to go tickle her. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, if you made it this long in the show, uh, thank you. Thank very you. Much. Uh, one quick thing that is not in the housekeeping that we plug into the show is there is a new uh, app for Proving Gamer. Right now, it is currently uh, uh, another way you can listen to all the Trophy Wars episodes. I am currently working with the developer of the app to include Game Stuff episodes, PG Spoilers episodes, uh, and they will all be in there. Like, If you reach out to me and you have an Android phone, I will send you the link for the app, which is not public in the store. Uh, iOS is uh, being worked on, uh, but we have some technical things we have to figure out and some financial things to work out with that. Uh, so th- just bear in mind, if I do send you the link, the app is a buggy mess. It does work. It, it functions as a way to listen to the show. Uh, but just bear in mind that there are some glitches in it. Um, it's labeled a proven gamer app, but you know, it has the trophy horse taglines and that's probably not going to change until probably mid July, maybe even August. Uh, but with that being said, if there's nothing else until next week, happy trophy hunting. Oh, thank heavens Later. we reached the finish line. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.